Hello and welcome to chapter nine of this audiobook series, Your Inner Game, 12 Principles of High Impact Entrepreneurs. This is a podstorm. This is a series of episodes all related to each other covering the release of this number one best-selling Amazon series. So uh, by all means, guys, please, please, please connect with me. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, this book has made such a huge difference to many entrepreneurs all around the world, and I'd love to connect with you. So if you are enjoying what you are hearing, please do tweet me at MattBrownZA. Uh, this is a sequence of episodes, as I said, guys. So if you are landing here, go back and grab the first episode and follow through back to where you are now. So without further ado, guys, this is probably one of the most important chapters, especially today in the world of digital technology and Instagram and social media feeds and all this kind of stuff. But this is all around perfect imperfections, right? So this covers also the story of Brian Altrich, who built a massive QSR brand, all built on an imperfect product. How did he do that? Well, you're about to find out. Chapter nine, perfect imperfections. Player, Brian Altrich, founder and CEO of Rockamamas. Episode MBS 128. Principle, I will embrace my imperfections. A diamond with a flaw is worth more than a pebble without imperfections. Proverb. One of the basic rules of the universe and entrepreneurship is that nothing is perfect. Perfection doesn't exist. Ironically though, we live in a society where social media platforms like Instagram have created an entire subculture that is designed to support the idea of perfection being attainable. And even worse, valuable. But here's the thing you always need to remember. There's no need to be perfect to inspire others. Instead, inspire people through the way in which you deal with your imperfections. There's not only a lot of value to be found in imperfection, but from beauty and lessons as well. Our imperfections are what make us unique. They're the driving force behind our ideas and our purpose. And if they can be harnessed properly, the result is often nothing short of magical. Meet Brian Altrich, the founder of Rockamamas, a local QSR or quick service restaurant brand that was founded in 2013 and had gone global by 2018. Brian is no stranger to failure. His first franchise left him in debt. He almost lost his entire life savings on the stock market. He got squeezed out of one business and sued by Red Bull in another. Yet in each case, he's learned and implemented vital lessons that have culminated in the runway success of South Africa's favorite smart casual phenomenon. On episode number 128, I spoke to Brian about his journey building Rockamamas into a QSR brand and franchise that is poised to take on the likes of global incumbents like Burger King and McDonald's and what we can learn about value creation in the context of a very imperfect world. Despite all category norms and conventions, Brian founded Rockamamas on an imperfect product, a smash burger, a patty that focuses on taste and experience, which is probably why this imperfect burger has found its place in the hearts and minds of consumers in over a dozen countries around the world and in under five years. I naturally asked the obvious question, why found a brand on an imperfect product? I just want to give this some context. If you're familiar with lean startup methodologies, you'll know the value of getting your MVP, minimum viable product, to market as quickly as possible. LinkedIn founder Reid Hoffman sums it up perfectly with his famous quote, if you're not embarrassed by your first product, you've launched too late. What he means is that speed to market is more important than perfection. Once you're in market testing your product, that's when you can start refining it based on real user feedback. 
This is not what Brian did. He wasn't trying to launch his brand and then tweak it. He sees the greatness in imperfection. He knows that there's more to a brand and product than cookie cutter sameness. He said, I was grappling with the fact that my two teenage daughters considered fast food normal, he recounted. I hadn't grown up with that. When I lived in the US, I realized you get some fast food that's still made like it was in the 50s. There was a burger place I loved. It was run by a husband and wife team, and he smashed the burgers. He used meatballs with no binding agents, and he had placed them on a hot skillet and smashed them down. You lose no juices with that method. Everything squeezed out of the meatball is immediately sealed into the patty. Our burger product is completely different to the perfectly manufactured burger patties of the established burger chains. If you have six people eating the same hamburger at one of our tables, every single one of the burgers will look slightly different. And this makes each customer feel as though their burger was made especially for them. It's real food served imperfectly. This was a deeply personal journey for Brian because he is by nature a perfectionist. He said, when I was younger, I used to hunt for perfection and it actually drove me mad. To overcome this, I had to learn to find the beauty in imperfection. So I started delving into different concepts around what beauty is and our obsession with trying to sell something that's perfect. I love excellence. And if you're going to build something at scale, you have to be better at something each day than you were the day before. You need to be on a journey of continuous improvement, but that doesn't mean that everything always needs to be perfect. Brian's ideas were validated when he opened his first Rockamama store opposite a McDonald's. It was a bit of a protest, actually. When we were building the store, I even said to the guys, come on, let's moon McDonald's. And so we did. Brian has doubled down on imperfection, right through from the design of the stores themselves to the way the food is photographed. To this day, all photo shoots take place inside a Rockamama store. The food is made and served on a table for the shoot. No fake foods are used. One photographer we were using suggested that we use mashed potatoes instead of ice cream for one of our desserts. He was concerned that the ice cream would melt. So what? Ice cream melts. Just take the damn photo. The idea of an imperfect product being served to customers flies in the face of many conventional business norms but it's resonating with consumers. Imperfection works today because it builds trust with people who are crying out for authenticity in a world dominated by fake news, disinformation, photoshopped images, and Instagram filters. The value of imperfection. The idea of value being expressed through imperfection dates back thousands of years. Historical records show that magnificent carpets adorned the court of Cyrus the Great, who founded the Persian Empire over two and a half thousand years ago. The Iranians were among the pioneer carpet weavers of the ancient civilizations, having achieved an unmatched degree of perfection through centuries of creativity and ingenuity. The skill of carpet weaving was handed down by fathers to their sons, who built upon those skills and in turn handed them down to their offspring as a closely guarded family secret. To give you an idea of the painstaking effort that goes into a Persian carpet, a 9 foot by 12 foot Persian rug that has 500 knots per square inch would take 4 to 5 artisans working 6 hours a day, 6 days a week, approximately 14 months to complete. And then after spending more than a year of their lives on one single carpet, these artisans would leave out some stitching to deliberately make the carpet imperfect. This fact had a profound impact on Brian. He said, Their cultural belief was that only God can be perfect and therefore nothing man creates should be perfect. 
By intentionally leaving out stitching, they were ensuring that their creations were not perfect. And most of the time, this wasn't even noticed by the average person. But here's the really interesting thing about those carpets. Years later, millennia later really, a study was done where a mass-produced copy of an original Persian carpet with no flaws was hung alongside an original Persian carpet, which did contain missing stitches. People who viewed the carpets were asked which one resonated with them more. 95% of the people who participated in the study chose the imperfect carpet. I believe that we identify with imperfection because we are imperfect ourselves. Consumers today have finely tuned bullshit radars and we intuitively know when something is off. If you want your customers to take you seriously, take them seriously and find the beauty in your imperfections because they will too. How to overcome your imperfections. A water bearer had two large pots, one hung on each end of a pole, which he carried across his shoulders. One pot had a crack in it, while the other was perfect and consistently delivered a whole portion of water. At the end of the long walk from the stream to his house, the cracked pot arrived half full. This continued daily for two years, with the bearer bringing home one and a half pots of water. The perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments, but the cracked pot was embarrassed by its imperfection, since it only fulfilled a fraction of what it was designed for. After two years of what it regarded as a disappointment, it spoke to the water bearer one day by the river. I'm ashamed of myself because this crack in my side causes water to leak all the way back to your house. The bearer replied, Did you notice that there are flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? That's because I've always known about your floor. I sowed flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day on our walk back to the house, you watered them. For two years, I've picked these beautiful flowers to decorate the table. Without you being the way you are, I wouldn't have had this beauty to decorate my house. What you regard as imperfections and limitations are in many instances good fortune clothed as adversity. Consider Arnold Schwarzenegger's heavy accent when arriving in Hollywood. Not only did his accent not stop him from becoming a Hollywood superstar, it's iconic. Similarly, Richard Branson's dyslexia did not stop him from establishing his billion-dollar virgin empire. Sylvester Stallone was once advised his slurred speech would pose an obstacle to him becoming an actor. Even though he wrote the script to the hit film Rocky, the producers didn't want him to play the role because of his speech issues. Instead of giving in, Sly channeled those objections into creating a streak of successful films playing the lead character, Rocky Balboa, the impoverished boxer hailing from the slums of Philadelphia. Welcome your imperfections and stop seeing them as an impairment. Your imperfections are intrinsically linked to your potential. Success is only important when measured against one's potential. You can always do more. No matter what Elon Musk achieves in his life, no matter what he does, he'll still think, I could have done more. Because we all have the potential to do more. Whether you regret your life and the decisions you make, will have a lot to do with how much you did with that potential. And your imperfections are a powerful driving force for achievement. From an inner game perspective, there are two key takeaways. First, it's impossible to reach perfection. Accept that. Don't stop trying, but love the journey, not the destination. Second, if you fixate on your imperfections and overlook your unlimited potential, you will never discover your value. The world rewards value creators. The more value you create, the bigger your reward will be.
Welcome back, Matt. And uh, wow, what an awesome story. Brian Altrich is really, and, and Rockamamas, it's just amazing hearing how through all that kind of chaos and imperfection, such amazing brands can come together. Um, two of the uh, two ideas that, that you tackle here that appear to be opposites but aren't are embracing imperfections and always striving to be better each day. How does this work and why is it so important to have that tension in life and business? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Well, it's interesting that we always want to aspire to be perfect in many cases, you know, and I don't know where it comes from again, probably social conditioning in many respects. But I think if you think about Instagram and filters and likes and, you know, I think the digital economy has created this idea that in order to get attention, you need to be perfect or as close to perfect in order to get some kind of recognition. Right. Uh, and in reality, that's not the case. I mean, in business, there's never anything like a perfect product. It's never finished. I mean, if you think about Tech Lead Bay, uh, a product we've been developing for almost two years now, it's never finished because it's going to continually evolve to change to meet the needs of a particular type of customer. Brian recognized very early on that imperfection is actually a strategic point of leverage for his uh, QSR brand, Rocker Mamas. And ironically, as we explored in the book, Uh, you know, this imperfection is what has resonated so well with uh, his target customer. You know, if you put four burgers on a plate and, uh, you know, you have a look at them, they're all different. There's, it's not a McDonald's kind of product, right? Where everything is just machine, (laughs) machine made and it's perfect in every single way. And the buns are perfect, just the perfect amount of tomato sauce and lettuce and all this kind of stuff. Uh, Rocker Mamas is completely the opposite. Their burger is obviously the smash burger. Um, and people want to, they want brands who resonate or at least reflect what they know. And that, and they know in many cases that they're imperfect. Um, so brands that sign, that essentially stand up and become authentic in that manner start to create something that is beyond something called brand equity. It starts to create a connection to a mindset that ultimately opens a door to a relationship that truly is sustainable. And I think when you when you frame it that way, imperfection is something that we should all be looking to strive towards. I mean, there are other extensions to this, right? So, um, you know, failure, you know, if, if you were perfect, you'd never make any kind of mistake and you would never fail and you would never learn and you would never grow. In fact, you would never be challenged. So nothing would ever change you because you would just be perfect as you are. 
And when we are born, we're obviously all imperfect. So we, as entrepreneurs, we want to recognize where we are imperfect and to help either build a team around these areas of imperfection or to develop skills to close that imperfection gap. One of the ways we talk about this is that customers have a kind of built-in bullshit radar, and that ties in with the the real importance of being authentic. But I, I don't know about you, I've found a lot of brands talk about being authentic and they superficially look authentic, but they don't understand how to get down to the roots of real authenticity. Why is it so important that they refocus, make sure they're always authentic? And, and how, what are the first steps to actually achieving that? You have to stand for something. And I think that's the challenge because it's difficult to put your brand in a space where it is risky. The, you know, Today, if something goes south on social media, you put out a post as Prada. I mean, there's so many examples of this. Pepsi uh, is another one when they put out that uh, brand ad with uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Um, that's been covered on the show as well. Um, but you know, there's consumer backlash is a very real thing. So for a brand to stand for something or to have a view or a point of view that is contrary to, um, you know, let's just say polar opposites, like let's just say the Democrats and Republicans or, you know, left, left wing views or right wing views versus, um, you know, the, the center. So brands who want to take a stand for something have to be careful around what they stand up for. So the way that you start to become authentic as a brand is to pick a cause. So something that is beyond the brand and what it sells. So if you think about Tom's shoes as an example, so every pair of shoes that you buy from them, they donate a pair to a child in need. So the founder of Tom's even openly acknowledges that their products aren't as good as their competitors, yet people still buy Tom's shoes because of the cause that Tom's shoes represents uh, and ultimately what it stands for. So when you buy a product, you're buying more than a product, you're buying a cause. Um, that's a, a really great example of how um, to stand up uh, for something today, I think. There is, a, there is a, a flip side to that though, right? Because if you think about the examples you used um, with Pepsi, Nike's been doing this very well, I think. They're really taking a stand for what they believe in. But the danger on that side is you will lose customers as well, um, which a lot of brands are scared to do. What would be your advice to them? Well, it's not easy to lose customers. Nobody wants to lose customers. Customers are ultimately you know, revenue or they represent some form of value. Even if you don't have a product, your users are your product at the end of the day out of Facebook. Um, and so, you know, again, you know, it's difficult to justify that when you have shareholders. So when you are a startup, you can stand for anything. Uh, no one's going to necessarily judge you for it. And in fact, if you want to get attention as a startup, you should stand up for something and polarize your market because at least those people who will then recognize you and think that, oh, geez, I really dig this brand, those um, you know, first 1,000 true fans will become your brand advocates over the long term. I mean, you cannot be everything to everyone. That's just the reality. I mean, if you try and be everything to everyone, you're just, you know, invisible. The familiar is invisible. And ultimately, we, we're in the attention wars today. So if you don't have attention, you're dead in the water. So as a startup, if you want attention, stand for something. Do something that's disruptive or against what the conventional norms are. The bigger the company, you know, and if you're the CEO 
of a bank, it's kind of difficult to justify standing for something that's truly going to polarize your 6 million customers, you know? So I think timing is important, recognizing when to stand for something and when not to stand for something. I think one brand that's done really well around the space is Nando's where they have built their brand into cultural events, political commentary, something happens in the government. And then, you know, obviously they have a funny tongue in cheek type of Nando's execution on it. So, I mean, that's been around for, you know, for as long as Nando's been around essentially in advertising. Um, and so we all resonate with that. We expect that actually from Nando's. If Nando's didn't have a point of view on a particular political event or something, you know, uh, that's happening in South African culture, we would be surprised. Um, and the reality is that no other brand that's a competitor of theirs would even try. It would, if they tried, it would be risky. It'd be too familiar. You see, so I think the point of view that you stand up for is something that you should be looking at over the long term. Just like Brian, you know, the smashed burger, it, you know, he's not going to change that intrinsic idea that's related to his burgers if you change the product now he will start to um you know be and sound and act familiar to other qsr brands and the qsr brands like mcdonald's and burger king are his direct competitors so there is no way that he will he is going to change that point of view because he will run the risk of losing his customer base to those entrenched players they're bigger they got more money they're faster you know, um, but that's not why people buy Rocker Mamas. They buy Rocker Mamas because of what that brand represents. Uh, in the same way that you buy Nando's over Chicken Licken because of what that brand represents. Um, and so these are the types of um, considerations that are critical to success today. Looping back to what you said around, you know, knowing what your purpose is, the Tom Shoe stories and everything we've just chatted about now. It's clear that the world rewards value creation. What does that mean? And more importantly, how do you know that you're actually creating value? Because again, it's easy to say, much harder to deliver on. The way that you know that you're creating value is when you get paid for it. How do you create value on any number of ways? You know, it's difficult to say and quantify exactly which type of value is the one you should start with. But again, I think you kind of alluded to it in the beginning. It's like it has to be linked to something beyond yourself. You know, the reason why Brian started Rocker Moms in the first place was because he thought McDonald's sucked. You know, and he's got two young children, two girls, and he was like, I ain't feeding them this. Why isn't there a better alternative? And it goes back to what I was saying before, you know, does this suck for you? Yes. This is another value. You know, where do you go and create value uh, sort of process? Does this problem suck for you? Yeah. I don't want my kids eating, you know, junk food from McDonald's. Okay. Does it suck for many other people? Yes, it does. Loads of people. Um, and three, is this a problem that you can create a category around and own? Yes. And that's exactly what Brian did. It sucked for him and his daughters. He wasn't prepared to stand for it. He created a new point of view uh, around uh, Rocker Mamas. And he took that point of view over time to, uh, you know, customers at scale. I mean, his first, he didn't have a bricks and mortar restaurant when he opened, by the way. It was all just, um, you know, like a caravan, essentially. And he put the caravan on a street corner outside of McDonald's. So what does that tell you? You know, it tells you everything that you need to know about what type of value Brian wanted to create in the world. But whatever your mission is, you know, if you're not clear around what that is, you know, I do believe that the greatest businesses come from problems that you have. 
you know, if you try and solve a problem or spot a market in the gap, there might be a gap in the market, but there might not be a market in the gap. Um, and all, and even if there is a market in the gap and you commercialize it, is that still a gap that you feel that you can be passionate about for 10, 20 years? You know, so if you ask Brian, is Rockamama something that you can be passionate about for 10, 20 years? He'll clearly say yes. Um, and so these are the attributes that you really want to explore in your own character. And when you figure that out, you know, things like imperfection versus perfection, suddenly this tension is something that is the gap. It is the intrinsic quality in what you do. It is the attributes of your character. And ultimately, it starts to link directly to your purpose. And when you get these sorts of things figured out, you become unstoppable. That's awesome. Thanks, Matt. Let's uh, take a look at chapter 10. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my Clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.